Dusty, what's the one book you can always find in our car when we're on a trip? Honestly, Mike, it is usually a Moon travel guide. That's right. Moon is our favorite travel guidebook publisher because not only are they a source for ethical travel and the best ways to get away, but their books also are packed full of information on everything from sites to see, trails to hike, restaurants, and lodging, all from real authors who are local to the areas they're writing about. That's right. And we're so excited that this year we are again partnering with Moon Travel Guides. Ready to cross something off your travel bucket list in 2024? Have a lot of great ideas for trips, but don't know how to get started or keep your itinerary organized? Wherever your wanderings might take you or inspire you to go, Moon Travel has you covered. Moon Travel is the travel guidebook publisher for ethical travel. Don't spend months trying to craft the perfect getaway when you can do it all with Moon. Whether you're headed abroad, planning to take to the open road, or want to wander the trails of a national park, make sure to pack a Moon Travel Guide with you. Through the end of 2024, our listeners can get 20% off any Moon Travel Guide when they use the code GAZE20 at checkout. That's amazing. And that is code GAZE24, G-A-Z-E-2-4 for 20% off any Moon travel guide in Moon's entire library. And that is just for our listeners, and you cannot find that anywhere else. Be sure to visit Moon.com. Head to our show notes and check it out and see Moon's entire collection of travel guidebooks. So surprises... Surprises. Surprise. A word, a phrase from Devil Wears Prada we say often. All the time. Mm-hmm. That's how um, Jacqueline mm-hmm. Filet says surprise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Jacqueline Filet of Fish is uh, a great oh, drag name. Absolutely. Jacqueline Filet of Fish. <laughs> Jacqueline Filet of Fish. She's French Irish. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what she is. Uh-huh. She's got a little a little dinghy mm-hmm. where she goes out and fishes mm-hmm. for brim. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, surprises. I feel like there's so few opportunities in life for surprise anymore. Yeah. Like living in the, the digital internet age that we live in. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I feel like I just became like an infomercial from my, you know, high school in the early 2000s. <laughs> the internet age is one of wonders and majesty. <laughs> and now if you take Ginkgo Biloba, you'll be able to remember things too (laughs) (laughs) exactly Mm -hmm. right but no i feel like i'm always enamored with people who choose to have children and decide not to know the sex of the baby like and just are surprised i think that's like what a great surprise to have i mean also Um, gender is fluid yeah i mean you know really matter sure still think that's like there's so many people that know elect to know right away sure so i think there's like something to be said for that but i do think that i'm struggling to remember a time other than in the experiences we're going to talk about in this episode Mm -hmm. where I was truly like surprised by something that happened or people caught me off guard. Well, I guess I had that incident in the last year where I was honored at school, like for 10 years of service doing the musical at school. So that was was like a total, mm -hmm. like, totally gaslit didn't realize anything was happening until like i don't know if it's i wasn't gaslighting but but i totally was there was a lot of subterfuge happening Mm -hmm. um behind my back and that was a a really a special surprise sure what about you have had two surprise birthday parties in Mm -hmm. my life Mm -hmm. um one of them was friends in college Mm -hmm. were so kind because i had mentioned i was like yeah no like i don't really do much for my birthday and you know blah 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 and i was like you know i also was like in college and i was like closeted and i was focused on being an excellent student sure and like and those two things are you know not mutually exclusive (laughs) (laughs) well at the time i was like i 
I can't. I can, I can either avoid. be in the closet and the best student I can be, or gay as can be and a C student. <laughs> <laughs> Only two choices. <laughs> That's great. That might. They, those may be the rules now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That might. Those may be the rules. Mm-hmm. Because of that, I used being an excellent student as a way to avoid dealing with or facing, you know, my myself mm-hmm. or my mm-hmm. queerness, I should say. And so during that time, I had some lovely friends throw a surprise party for me mm-hmm. after rehearsal one night. I did not know about it, and that was wonderful. Mm-hmm. And then when I was... I think it was when I turned 30. I was down in the South Mm -hmm. for the holidays. Yeah, it was. I was at a gathering of people that was for a different purpose. Yeah. Like they had orchestrated a whole thing. It was like, we're gathering to have like a production meeting about this project we did that like a postmortem meeting. Mm -hmm. Like, so I came up with all these questions and blah, blah, blah. And then like about 30 minutes into the meeting, like the doors opened and like my entire family came in and I was like, what? And they were like, this is your intervention. You were a terrible C student (laughs) and we need to talk about it. (laughs) That was it. Yeah. No, they were like, we're not, here to do this meeting this is a surprise party for your birthday Mm -hmm. because I had mentioned it was like no one would ever throw me a surprise party I was like no one would ever do that and then I had these Christmas uh (laughs) small group of friends who were like no we're gonna we're gonna we'll see your nobody will throw you a surprise party and throw you one surprise party intervention (laughs) (laughs) it was the sweetest kindest most wonderful thing Mm mm-hmm my immediate reaction, and this is, you know, I can tell this is therapy growth, right? This was, I had family who had driven in from like four hours away. My immediate reaction was like, oh my God, I'm so sorry you had to drive for four hours for, for this, for me. That tells me a lot, right? Sure. Because now... What's self-worth? Right. Now I look back on that and I don't, that's not what I think. It's just the kindest, sweetest, most wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. I feel so loved. Looking for adventure, I want to follow on the trail Or get a little lost and let the wind fill my sails Get up when the stars still fill the sky, don't wake the sun There's so much to be done, and the day has just begun Go where the postcards are real, you can feel You can open your eyes, and open your heart when you gaze at the National Park. At the National Park. At the National Park. Follow you, I'll follow you We would like to acknowledge that while visiting and hiking in the land, also known as Theodore Roosevelt National Park, that we were on the traditional and stolen lands of the Mondon, Hidatsta, Arikara, Crow, and various other indigenous people. Okay, so in our last episode, episode 90, episode 90, mm-hmm. we had just finished the Petrified Forest Loop. Right. And in woof. Teddy Roosevelt National Park. What a trek that was. That was a big old trek. That was. It was a great way to start our day, too. A great way. It was a big triangle loop. Yeah. I don't know that we've ever really done a triangle loop. Well, we tried to in Yellowstone to disaster. 
to disaster. <laughs> yeah. You can yeah. hear that. I on mean, no fairies, one's dead. Fairy but, falls you know, and follies. Mm, mm, wasn't that great. Episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a wonderful triangle loop that we yeah. did. And on it, this it varied day. in all three like parts of the triangle, all three segments. We highly recommend doing that. So we loaded our gear up in the car. I remember the first thing we did in the car was we like feverishly consumed snacks. Well, we live a two peanut butter sandwich life on long hiking days. And sometimes not even not on long hiking days, we'll just pack them. And oftentimes they'll just stay in the bag for the next hiking day, provided that, you know, they're not going to mold over on us. But I definitely remember like downing a peanut butter sandwich in the car. Absolutely. And it had been hot too. We had started to get to the point of the day where it had started to get really warm. So I remember, I think we had some like small bottles of Gatorade with us or something. So there was definitely some downing of some electrolytes. 100%. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we got back in the car and then we headed out of this parking lot for the Petrified Forest Loop Trailhead, which brought us back onto a bunch of primitive dirt roads yep. near a bunch of small ranches, mm-hmm. a l- some cows, yep. and we had to sort of maneuver our way back over to I-94, mm-hmm. which is the main highway there that was going to take us back to the main entrance of Theodore Roosevelt National Park. Right. I do remember that this wasn't too long to get from the access to the road that would take you out to the Petrified Forest Loop to the Visitor Center. There was like a loop around that needed to happen. Essentially, when we get back, we sort of are heading towards Medora at this point, which is it's the a community of the park. It's, community. Yeah, it's sort of like the, the community that buffers the park, I would say. There's a lot of public opinion about the town of Medora. We'll allow you to look into that for yourself. Mm-hmm. So we head back on I-94. It's a very smooth and easy drive back. There's not many people on this highway at this time, but the highway is lined with grasslands, prairie, and occasionally badlands. Yeah, I think that was also very characteristic of our drive-in from Amadon, just the half hour that we had <laughs> to observe what was going on around us. So there was a lot of peace in this, especially in like the dusky hours when we were kind of going back and forth. But it was nice to see it in daytime hours too. There are also buffalo that we can see from I-94. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're just out and about. There are fences between the buffalo and the road. And the road, yeah. We so. sort of we saw them on their way out that morning, but there were more of them to behold on our way back towards Medora in this kind of late morning, early afternoon time. So we follow the signs and head toward the South Unit, Teddy Roosevelt National Park, and we head to the South Unit Visitor Center. It is worth noting here, there are two units to Teddy Roosevelt National Park. There's a North Unit and there's a South Unit. But there's also the ranch too, which is like not often visited. It's like that third third sort of unit, not as visited as as the North and South Unit. Correct. But mainly it's those... Two units are the largest areas of land. There are three visitor centers in Teddy Roosevelt National Park. There's the South Unit Visitor Center, the Painted Canyon Visitor Center, which is also in the South Unit, and the North Unit Visitor Center. South Unit Visitor Center had a pretty big parking lot um, when we pulled up. I remember there was a lot of kind of shady trees kind of leading up to it, which makes a lot of sense, especially for the time of year that we were there. It obviously was some good planning on the part of whoever had placed that visitor center there there to try to make sure that there was ample shade. And the parking lot was pretty crowded, but the visitor center itself was fairly small. Yeah. So we go inside and the first thing we do is take in the exhibit and educational information. Right. Which is like your immediate beeline most of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. 
because I like to do that first. Yeah. It's a small exhibit. It does have a lot of information, particularly about Teddy Roosevelt, the man himself, and his relationship to this area of land. But it also has background context and history of the indigenous people of this area. And it also introduces the term Mako Sika, which is a term from the Lakota people, which means bad land, which is where we get the term bad land. Mm -hmm. Just to kind of like pepper in, you know, Roosevelt was doing some hunting here, had taken a hunting trip and sort of became enamored with this space and sort of set up these ranch units, which then eventually over time started to be recognized during the depression. CCC started to do some work in the area to kind of develop them further. And then the parkland itself kind of came from all of this. Roosevelt really saw the space for what it was and how special it was. And so I think while he is a complicated person, especially when it comes to indigenous rights, rights of minorities, there's a reason obviously that the park was named in his remembrance because I think, you know, of what he did when it came to conservation in the United States and also his affinity for this space. There was a lot to be said, I think. Not saying that I agree with it all, but just saying that I think if we want to break down why the park is here and why it's named for him, considering that he, you know, and we have two episodes that we talk about Teddy Roosevelt and especially his attitudes towards specific things, not only just the conservation of spaces, but as aforementioned, Native people and minorities. I do think that there was just reason in the minds of people at the time when they named the park to name it for Teddy Roosevelt. There's also a small theater with a video in this visitor center. In like a knock me over with a feather moment, you were the one who was like, oh, I think I would like to see the video. And I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) It's never my, you know, thing on my list. I will always sit and do it with you. Yeah, you do. do, Because you enjoy it. I like learning. Oh, so. and oh, me over here, I was the one that was the C student and just a raging homosexual <laughs> in college. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um, you're talking to the valedictorian over here, uh-huh. literally. Uh-huh. I love how <laughs> yeah. she had to defend herself. Yeah, I did have one. to because who else is doing it for me? <laughs> no one. <laughs> Not in this conversation. <laughs> just cutting me down. Well, mm-hmm. well, some of us like learning. So <laughs> we sit in the theater and we watch this video. And um, like most videos found in National Park Visitor Centers. It was produced probably about 30 or more years ago. Mm-hmm. And it mostly discusses who Teddy Roosevelt was and why and when he started coming to this area. And it's like pictures. Like that with soft pan flute in the background. Faded <laughs> and like, you know, it's like that kind of. This mm-hmm. is the vibe we're... It we're, feels like a Sunday afternoon in the 80s. Like, like you just watch David the Gnome and there's pan and flute in the background. That's the sort of like... That's the vibe. ...mood that it's serving. Those kind of informational NPS videos. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So then we talked to the ranger. Right. The desk there was pretty big. They had a fairly big visitor center gift shop area with ranger information. And we had a really, really helpful ranger who kind of walked us through a bunch of different things. But the first thing we told her, she was like, well, what are you looking to do? And how long are you here? We told her we're here for two days. We've been in the park since the morning and we just finished the petrified forest loop. That's when she was like, oh, that trail was actually closed today because they were doing flyover spraying. And look at that. (laughs) We were both like record scratch. Wait, Mm -hmm. what? Mm -hmm. Oh, 
I was like, well, the sign was a little confusing. I'm I'm so sorry. We didn't mean to do that trail yeah. if we weren't supposed to. Right. And she was like, no, it's okay. It's okay. But I guess I should probably get out there and like change the sign or something so that people right. know. And it was. And we talk about this in the episode when we did the Petroford Forest Loop. It was not a very clear sign as to like what the date range was and what was actually happening. No date range. And we also it. were yeah. like, listen, there were cars in the parking lot before we got there. And there were a lot of cars when we got back. So more hike. people are doing so, that right now. Yeah, so definitely something to to get on. She did tell us while we were there that um, as we were talking about the South Unit, which is what we wanted to primarily focus on this day, and we were going to do the North Unit the following day, she did tell us that the loop road of the South Unit was closed after the Colvane Trail, so we could ride all the way out there, but we wouldn't be able to kind of complete the loop. We'd have to turn around and come back, which wasn't a problem for us. No, she also mentioned that there was a ton of wildlife that we would see on even just this section of that was open of the South Loop Road, uh-huh. that there would be no FOMO because like you couldn't make the whole loop on the road. Oh, yeah. You would see a ton of wildlife. And I remember that Brad Ryan and Grandma Joy, they said the reason to go to Teddy Roosevelt National Park is for the wildlife. Yeah, specifically. Specifically. And they're not the only ones that I've no, heard say that. No. And so we were very excited about that. Right. And we'd already seen bison that morning and also cows. And also pronghorns. <laughs> and pronghorns. That's right. Pronghorns. Um, even, even though they looked like stone from afar, it was just their butts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, butts. yeah. When we did talk to her, she did say, you know, definitely stop and do some of the short trails that are along the Loop Road. Those included Skyline Vista, Cottonwood, Peaceful Valley Trail, Wind Canyon, Boycourt, and the Colvane Trail. But first, she said that we should stop by the Prairie Dog Towns. And with that, let's take our first break. We're playing Commission an Album. We haven't done this in a while. I love this game. Mm -hmm. So So what's our topic? This game can be played two ways. Mm. You can either supply someone with an artist, Mm -hmm. Or supply someone with a source material. Mm. But the idea is that you're going to commission an album to be created by a musical artist based on a piece of source material. Mm. So I'm going to give you, because you read it, I'm going to give you the book, A Little Life. Oh my God. And I'm going to challenge you to say someone other than Sufian for this. Because Sufian would fucking slay. But I feel like he's a little bit of an obvious choice. And I want us to come up with someone else god that book what a depression um for those who have not read a little life and well, i have not read a set little yourself life, up for sadness guys can you give us a very oh brief description about what it is um the book centers around four friends who went to harvard together and life picks up for them when they're kind of in grad school finishing up grad school they're all living in new york city and over the course of like i don't remember like a thousand pages of sadness um you get to see how their lives evolve over time and you specifically follow one character's journey for most of the book whose name is jude and his life is just like if you've ever wanted to see like a whipping boy of a character character and like all the horrendous things that could happen to someone as a literary figure it's Jude and it's really unfortunate some of the most well-written beautiful prose that I've read but it is it deals a lot with abuse it's very very difficult to read like I would read some of it and I'd put it down for like a week or two and go back to it because it was it was it's trauma it's a book about trauma I feel like I feel like Jamie Lee Curtis right now (laughs) 
It trauma. is a book about trauma. It's about trauma. Well, the joke I made was I was like, every gay in New York who actually reads has read that book. And like, and you neither lead, and you neither live in New York, nor can read. read. So I feel like I have three people in mind. They're all women. Uh huh. Um, I feel like Yoko Ono could be interesting. Oh, I feel like Bjork could be very interesting. I feel like Fiona Apple could be very interesting. Let's dig her up. Let's bring her back. No, I know she's not going anywhere, but (laughs) she hasn't gone anywhere. She's still around. I don't know Bjork enough to like really, I feel like it needs to be almost experimental. And I feel like that's sort of what her music might be. (laughs) Great. I say this as like, um, but I do feel like Fiona Apple is a great storyteller. I feel like she can kind of go a lot of places with her music and a lot of places that could tell the story in very beautiful, but in some ways abrasive ways that would be very fitting with the mood because there is beauty in that book too. Oh yeah. So I feel like she's who I would say because I know her music better than the other two, but those three people popped into my mind. I love that. Okay. So Fiona Apple is going to, you're commissioning Fiona Apple Mm -hmm. to create an album inspired by, a little, a little life. life. Mm-hmm. All right. Great. I feel like maybe I've used her before. And if you know, you're you come for me in the comments, if you go through past episodes and that's the case, but Whatever. I do feel like she could be great because it needs to be someone answer. that could really handle that. And I feel like she has the emotional depth too. Yeah. So I'm going to give this to you because I know it's a book that you read and I think it would be interesting if it was ever made into a film. I'd like you to commission an album for someone to write in the autobiographical movie based on Dan Savage's The Kid. Oh, Dan Savage's The Kid. Okay. Yeah, I enjoyed that book very much. Okay. When I think about that book, okay, so Dan Savage wrote a book. He is a columnist. He writes Savage Love. He also hosts the Savage Love cast, Mm -hmm. the podcast, where he answers questions about love and relationships. He wrote a book called The Kid, which was all about his journey to adopting a kid with his husband, Terry. They did briefly try. There was an off-Broadway musical that was written oh, about I didn't it. Realize that. Apparently, they wanted to make like a TV... There was a TV pilot at one point about his life, but it never ended up happening. But he has produced television before. Mm-hmm. The Real O'Neills. Okay. That was also Dan Savage as, as, a, produ- as a producer. Oh. So... Which artist am I going to pick? When I think of that book, that book was light. It was also like clear, like in its moments of heaviness, and it wasn't too heavy handed. And it was also playful. It was also joyful. And there were also times of great confusion and Mm -hmm. hardship. And so I am going to go with Jason Mraz. Oh, what a great storyteller. I actually, I love him so much. And I just feel like he's got a sort of buoyancy to his music in the same way that this book has a buoyancy that it takes you through some stuff that can get fairly deep and fairly heavy in a way that feels light and in a way that I feel taken care of by. Hmm. Great. So, yeah, that's I what love I'm that doing. answer. Because the melody is the experience. <laughs> <laughs> it's the comedy. It's not as serious. It's a dangerous <laughs> new play on words. <laughs> exactly. I had a roommate. My freshman year college roommate was obsessed with Jason Mraz. Like, loved him to death. Really? Yes. Can I tell you 
my first week of college. I met Jason Mraz. There was a Jason Mraz concert mm-hmm. at school that I and went to. And that's when you chose to be diligent and an A student and in the closet or <laughs> gay and chaotic. <laughs> it's all going to keep coming back around to that. That's... <laughs> Well, that's it. I feel Jason like there's Mara- a connection. Jason Mraz was your gateway drug. <laughs> I feel like there's a connection between like chaotic and the fact that it starts with a C and gays are C students, something like that. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. think there's a connection mm-hmm. in that joke somewhere. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Great. Okay, great. So everybody, when we were speaking with the ranger at the visitor center, she was super helpful. And we also told her that we wanted to go to the North unit the right. next day. Yep. So she gave us a lot of great ideas for Mm -hmm. like trails that we could do that because we wanted to do a long epic trail she made some suggestions for a great hiking day with options to add a little more or to remove as we went yeah so so that set us up for success we did know and find out very quickly from the ranger that the south and north unit as one would think well there are a lot of parks that have like separations and they might be listed as being in south or north or east or west and sometimes those sections abut one another calling back but um the south and north unit of theodore roosevelt national park are one hour apart from one another Yep. Yeah. From visitor center to visitor mm-hmm. center, they're one hour apart. So it's just something to prepare yourself for. Obviously, something we'll talk about when we hit that episode as a refresher and a reminder. If you're planning a trip and you're using this as a guide, yeah, it's an hour drive and it's a very flat sort of hour drive. After talking to the ranger, I think we filled our bladders here at the station because there was a water fill station there right when you walked into the visitor center and kind of like making our purchases, like our little park badges that we always get. We headed back to the car and we headed out on the loop road. Which we knew wouldn't be the full loop today because no. there was that section that was closed. Exactly. Sort of the bottom half of the loop was closed. Yeah, like yeah, the like the left kind of three quarters of the loop or we quarter were, of it had to come on to the loop from like a little tail road. Yeah. And the tail road is the thing the visitor center is on yep. that will bring you out to I-94. Mm-hmm. So we definitely had this moment where we had already hiked for like a good three or four hours in the morning. We knew we were going to be doing this loop road, but also intending to tackle some other things here in the South Union <laughs> before the end of the day. And we had a check-in moment where we realized that sometimes it is a lot more more exhausting to stop and get out and get back in the car and stop and get out and get back in the car than it is to like hike a 12 mile trail. Okay. Can we unpack something for a second? Sure. Why is it that we get so much more exhausted driving like a, you know, like a scenic drive, like a scenic road Mm -hmm. that has like pull-offs and overlooks with short little trails. Why do we find it so much more exhausting to do those than it is to like do a 12 mile hike? Well, I think on some level it's psychosomatic. I think there's definitely that happening, but I do feel the idea of like it, I think it's just this, like, okay, now we have to stop and get out. I know it sounds like very, like, just like, really? But it is, it's true. There's a lack of energy there. I think because you're expounding energy when you're hiking, you're in the natural air, you're taking everything in, the sun is on you. There's just like that feeling of being in a natural space that gives you energy. And then you shut down in the car, the air is on, especially it was hot out. So it was cold air. So then it's getting out into the hot air again. Your body is fluctuating so much as opposed to sort of being in a little bit more of a stasis when you're outside. That's my take on it anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like when we're outside on a long hiking trail, it's like over time, like sort of your you, acclimating yeah, to outside. You equalize. And that's the part of your body that's literally, I think, you know, like chemically participating in what you're doing well, outside. Yeah, I think there's an active level of you walking and also being able to view things, but being able to, like your whole body is engaged. Whereas I think stopping and getting out is like, it's it's peak tourism. It's like, I'm not interested in this. And like, I think it's, there's like a level of boredom too. So I mm. think it's brain based as much as it is like chemically based and physically yeah. based. That's my, you know, <laughs> science behind it. Yeah, that's interesting. We have found this to be true on so many Oh, trails. absolutely. Black Canyon, the Gunnison, the Rim Mesa Road. Verde. Yep. Yeah. So tiring. Yeah. Every time it was like, every time we do it, we like, we drive up, we get out, we go to the overlook. Okay, here it is. It's so beautiful. And we take it in and then we have to go back to the car and somehow like every time we get back to the car, it's just more and more exhaustion. Yeah. And then by the end of it, we have to drive all the way back at the end. (laughs) We sound like such babies. But it is interesting. I'm sure that we're not the only ones that experience this. We should commission a study. (laughs) We should. If you feel this way, please let us know. But we knew this is what was on the agenda for the day. We yep. also wanted to see everything that was on this loop road. So, Well, I mean, with a day in the section of the park and a day in the north section, we wanted to try to make the most of both. And it was doable. You could have probably done two days in each unit and really gotten everything in like a very succinct, overarching way. But I do feel like what we were able to accomplish in a day in each unit was still wonderful. Absolutely. So the first place we pass is a prairie dog town. Now, when you look at the map of the Loop Road, there are like three or four of these prairie dog towns along the Loop Road. Okay. Before we actually describe what a prairie dog town looks like, <laughs> okay, what comes to mind mm-hmm. when you hear the phrase prairie well, dog I town? Well, I assume there's a little prairie dog sheriff. It feels like an old Western town and all the prairie dogs are dressed up in there's like sheriffs, the saloon owner. There's like, you know, saloon doors, saloon doors. There are um, women with, you know, fine, the feather in the hair. fine velvet dresses, dresses <laughs> and like ringlets, curl ringlets, like, uh-huh. you know, very of the time. But it's fans. all prairie dogs. But it's all prairie dogs. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. See, to me, when I think prairie dog town, I'm like, well, if prairie dogs had a town in the same way that humans have a town what would it be like mm-hmm. like i'm like like what would the grocery store have hmm. so i guess i'm thinking it through the lens of like if you were a the citizen human of version the of dog, it yeah, but it's town. prairie dogs you yeah. know mm-hmm. so i'm like would the home depot just have dirt i for feel your like little mound i feel like wes anderson could do a great film about this oh i'm sure <laughs> in I'm the vein sure. of fantastic mr fox yes yeah just prairie dogs yes yeah. i love it so a prairie dog town is just a habitat where prairie dogs live together in community sure it's sort of like a doesn't have to be sloped but it i feel like most of them were kind of hillsidey they were yeah yeah Um, the first one we passed i'm not gonna lie i wouldn't have even known that this was a prairie dog town Mm -hmm. without the fact that there were a whole bunch of cars in front of us that were stopped and now going slow you know cut to um that moment in Yellowstone where they all did that to that little black bear. Yeah. And it created... Everybody freaked out. Everyone freaked out in order to see this black bear in Yellowstone. And Mm -hmm. it was like, can we give the girl some space? (laughs) Right. But she was literally running for her life in the woods. (laughs) I know. It wasn't great. I shouldn't laugh. Screaming. But I was... (laughs) She was not screaming. She wasn't screaming. Press! (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it's a prairie dog town 
looked just like a hill. And then it was like, after a moment of looking at it, I was like, oh, there are little mounds everywhere. And oh, there oh, they are. There they are in the middle of those little mounds. And they're very cute. They were they were very cute. This is like a warning, don't approach the animals like moment. Oh my God, don't, definitely because don't. Also, you won't, you won't, you be, won't be able to catch one. They'll just go to. underground. And also never approach wildlife. But I'm just saying this is the part of your brain that's like, oh my God, that's so cute. I want to touch it. Don't. That's why you get a dog or mm-hmm. cat or something mm-hmm. like that. A regular dog, a not iguana. a prairie dog. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So we knew from talking to Brad Ryan and Grandma Joy that we were going to see um, buffalo here today at Teddy Roosevelt. They also colored our experience with the fact that there was going to be a bounty of other wildlife. And so this prairie dog town, of which we were going to see more, was sort of like the first real taste of like, aside from the bison on the roadside on the way in and the cows, kind of like, oh, well, we've seen bison already. Or no, we hadn't at that point. Never mind. It was no, sort we of a, had we had seen it from seen them from I ninety four. Right, right, right. This was sort of like our first real close encounter with wildlife in the park. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We take a look at the map and then we decide to strategize which pull offs that we wanted to do. And we decided that our first stop would be wind canyon trail which is a little further up on the canyon loop road mm-hmm. but so we opted to drive by uh, well it's we didn't really have the option to not but we opted to not get out at skyline view and cottonwood so we just drove by and we did not get out there yeah but the view from the drive was like the stuff in picture books yeah. right so like this road was an incredibly memorable experience the hills were like this rolling cascade of like hunter green and forest green with some hints of like mint and sage. And it was like these perfectly triangular trees dotting the hillsides like a painting. The sky was a gradient of blue fading from bright cornflower blue to a faded baby blue. And the clouds were like fluffy pillows hanging in the sky. Somebody had some <laughs> liberties with some <laughs> um, poetic language here. I did. As Why not? You, um, as you, you know, brought me into a memory. It's true warm. though. No, it was. I mean, it was so picturesque and the clouds were that puffy white driving basically to the left of us the entire time is the little Missouri river, at least to a certain point and on the drive. And then you kind of lose the, you tread away from the river for a little bit. There are certain points as we are driving along here that we do get some not glances of the river because the river based off of like where we're at on this kind of for lack of a better term like Mesa or High Point you're not able to see the angle but you can kind of see the all of the hills and the plateaus in the distance from oh, here. Oh certainly mm-hmm. and the badlands mm-hmm. in the distance. Mm-hmm. As we're driving up then we see another prairie dog town. Mm-hmm. It's off to the right. And yes, even more prairie dogs here. This was even even bigger one. Yeah. So uh, definitely take the time to enjoy those moments. If the car is slow, even if it's the third prairie dog town you're going through, it's just worth it. Because when else are you seeing prairie dogs in their natural habitat unless you're seeing them and it's not their natural habitat at the zoo. And it's like a whole bunch of them. It's oodles of prairie dogs. Yeah, it is. Oodles of caboodles. After we move through this next prairie dog town, we continue on and we pass Peaceful Valley Ranch to our left. (laughs) I think we made a joke about this sounding like 
a variety of uh, salad dressing. It's a CBD based salad dressing. <laughs> Peaceful Valley Ranch. Oh, mm-hmm. I like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a CBD salad dressing. Mm-hmm. I think there's a market for that. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Just like I would um, do that. just like my idea for a booze called Spirits of Halloween. That's based off of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was an um, idea that I had on I New love Year's. That. Spirit so, of Halloween. Spirits of Halloween. I love it. Yeah, and I it could be it. sold at Spirit of Halloween. Yeah, yeah. Or and it could be like a it could be a combo pack of multiple liqueurs. Oh yeah. Yeah, we were saying um, of Halloween. Bourbon. <laughs> Booze. Yeah, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. We continue along the road. There is, we pass a third Prairie Dog Town mm-hmm. on the way, and then we finally arrive at Wind Canyon Trail. Yes. This is a spot where we get out of the car, and this is sort of where we're going to get a really lovely view, the Little Missouri River, along with some other things. This was a nice little jaunt out of the car. And it also, I think, gave us both a little bit of life, too. It did. Yeah. It did. Wind Canyon Trail is a 0.4-mile loop trail that takes us right onto the rim of Wind Canyon. Mm -hmm. We stay in sneakers for this because we know it's going to be short. And I think after hiking in the morning, I think when we got to the visitor center, we probably debuted and put sneakers on or probably after that hike. After the hike in the car. Um, And we just stayed in the sneakers because we knew we had some time that we were going to be on just short stops, short trails. When we got out of the car, you kind of come up to the trail. You're kind of coming up to the rim of the canyon. And Wind Canyon is sort of off to your left. And you can see it there. But we're going to hike up to the right, essentially, which has some incline to it. And um, the view. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The view. The view was... It was beautiful. I mean, uh, it I just d- felt it's like... It was one of the most beautiful views, I it think. It felt ever like gotten. seeing it... It just, it felt like a painting. It felt like a painting you would see from the 19th century of what the American West looked like. Or what the, I guess we're technically in the Midwest here, not the West West. yeah. But it did feel like that. It felt like, you know, some sort of Hudson River School artist (laughs) had traveled West and was like, I'm going to paint the West. And this is what it just, it was this incredibly picturesque view. You see the little Missouri River and you just kind of see the plateau as it just ebbs into the distance. And it's this, like, you bend mm-hmm. in the Mis- Little Missouri River. Little Missouri River. <laughs> the thing is, beyond that, we can see the edge of the canyon that's been cut by wind and mm-hmm. also water to the right and left. There are many colors going on here, but there's two sort of distinct colors. One is a little more sandy. One is a little more camel. Mm-hmm happening in the striations. And then beyond the river on the other side is more green hills and then badlands just like cascading in the distance to the right. And so now looking kind of back at it and where we were and then looking at the map, what we were actually looking at was the hike we had done. Essentially, we were looking across the way onto that grassland plateau to the 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 Forest Loop. Yeah, and the Badlands. So it was kind of like seeing you through seeing me by seeing you. (laughs) (laughs) I was seeing you, seeing me, seeing you, seeing me. There we go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's what I meant. So we got another vantage point from that area, and it was really special to seeing it from this side. Right, because we didn't get a view of the river when we were on the Madahe Trail. No. Um, And that was sort of like the furthest point out that we were on that kind of grassland. Right. Yeah. So it was really cool to be able to like have that view. Rolling 
coming up to this um, in the car, you didn't sort of realize where you were going, but this is our chance to sort of gain a little bit of elevation. So as we travel up to the right, and it was pretty gradual, I felt like it was kind of like a nice way to like get our bodies moving again, because moving up the trail, you're able to see, you know, obviously the road is behind or to your right, but you just get these beautiful views the entire time. And what was so special about this was being able to see the canyon from all of these angles. And we were able to do that before heading back to the car to continue on. And with that, let's take our next break. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Ditto Bird. Ditto Bird. Mm-hmm. Obviously a reference to Dodo Bird. Mm-hmm. But Ditto Bird. Mm-hmm. Okay, I think Ditto Bird is a repeat queen. Mm-hmm. My thought is... She starts the night with a number and then like ends the night with the exact same number. Is she an amnesiatic queen or no? I don't. Mm. She just likes to come full circle. No, I just think that she repeats something again. Oh, okay. And just that one is thing? as a comedy shtick. Ah, okay. Right. Okay. And she's a, she's certainly aware that she's doing exactly the same mm-hmm. thing again. That's my thing. Okay. So it's, it's not like she's playing like dumb blonde. No. And like, oh, it's happening and it's funny because of that. No. No. I'm just, I literally stood here and sang this song or, and I, or I did this thing and now I'm going to do the whole thing again just mm-hmm. because my name it's is funny. Ditto. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like she works for a Xerox company. <laughs> she is a copy maintenance um, worker by day. Maybe that's her. And a drag her, queen by night. Or maybe that that's her, you know, mm-hmm. uh, number on stage. Mm. It's like, it's about that. Mm. It's about making copies. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm saying like, she's the copy she's, worker. Um, Ditto Bird is a relative of Mimeograph. <laughs> Mimi, Mimeograph. Mimeograph. Right. Mm-hmm. Anita Xerox. <laughs> and Anita Xerox. Yeah, Anita mm-hmm. Xerox. They're uh, they're the copy girls. They are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's exactly who I would be, mm-hmm. certainly. Okay, so I feel like Ditto Bird's <laughs> song that she lip syncs to. Like, maybe she does a number to Here I Go Again. Mm-hmm. Oops, I did it again. Ooh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're going to get far with the word again. Mm-hmm. She could also do time after time, I feel like would work. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. She has a repertoire. A repetitive repertoire. Uh-huh. Ooh, yeah. Thank you for the pause there. I watched you, like, work that out. Yeah. I needed mm-hmm. a moment for mm-hmm. that. There's a lot of, like, tongue rolling happening there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think her merch is photocopied scenes. I she like makes that. Scenes. She also, I feel like she has, like, a, a logo of a bird mm-hmm. just, like, saying the word ditto, like, mm-hmm. with the little... Um, oh, now you just want a logo for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ditto bird? <laughs> I think you might be. Right. I mean, Ditto Bird also could, I, I guess that could be the name of a company, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I feel like... I Ditto- feel like it's an Australian company. Ditto Bird. <laughs> Ditto Bird. Ditto Bird. I don't... I feel, what, and it's what a message company. What kind of company. company would it be? It's a message company. It's like, like it's a, an Insta message? No, it's like a... Um, it's like a... Like, a, like, like a an UPS? answering machine service. <laughs> Ditto Bird. An answering machine service? <laughs> yeah. I From love, the 90s. It's I, a apparently. dated company. <laughs> oh, it's a dated company from yeah. the 90s. It doesn't exist anymore. That's how she was able to take the name. Oh, I got it. That's... Mm-hmm. We're like... This is the hat We've, wearing like, hat origin wearing hat story now. here. Yeah. Okay, Ditto great. bird. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the stage. Ditto bird. Ditto <laughs> bird. <laughs> 
come to this place for magic. <laughs> we come to this place for magic. <laughs> <laughs> so Mike's impression of Nicole Kidman in her Australian dialect doing the iconic AMC theaters speech. Theaters. Just sounds like Hannibal Lecter. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wouldn't it be funny if Hannibal did the AMC curtain speech or that AMC ad? We come to this place for magic. <laughs> Here, our heroes feel like the best part of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Heartbreak feels good in a place mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. It's Carries. canon now. It it's is. how we. Um, it's it's our version of the Our Father. <laughs> the Our Father. That was. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Things I, you'll you cut out. You said Our Father, <laughs> and I thought Godfather, uh-huh. and then I was like, no, it's really weird because it's not Godfather. <laughs> Jared. <laughs> Jared. Now we're just riffing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so we continue on the road from Wind Canyon and we're headed toward Colvane. Uh, eventually the Colvane yeah. Trail. Mm-hmm. But this is where we get to see our first buffalo or bison on the loop road. And as we're driving, we suddenly encounter many bison on either side of the road. This was sort sort of the same in Yellowstone, but I did feel like here we were surrounded. Like it did feel like there was a little bit more of a surround. Whereas the buffalo in Yellowstone were just kind of loungy. And like I didn't yes. feel threatened by these bison here, but it just felt like there were the numbers were there. Everybody came out that day. <laughs> yeah, the yeah. whole family, mm-hmm. the whole kid and caboodle. Yeah. So we just had to stop and wait mm-hmm. for the bison to cross the road and move across the road and, you know, whatnot. But we do, and it's all good. Mm-hmm. Then the loop road brings us to Boycourt. Bum, that bum. <laughs> is the name of this spot. Bum, bum. <laughs> There's two things here in this section. There's the Boycourt Overlook. I mean, we're saying Boycourt. It could maybe be pronounced Boycourt. <laughs> Who knows? But um, there's also the Boycourt Trail. Mm-hmm. Um, we at this time only do the overlook. We park and we go out. It's just a little bit yeah, of a ways to get to the spot where you can see everything. Mm-hmm. But let's. What did we see when we looked out at Boy Court? What? Well, was it? there was a sign there that kind of detailed essentially everything that you were seeing in the distance. This was just a wide panorama, essentially. Boy Court has like a little baby sort of loop that you can take out to kind of like to see the sights. And what you're essentially seeing is you're looking out over a canyon and then seeing in the distance a ton of buttes. Uh, The landscape is sort of very canyony overall, but in the far distance, there are some raised sections, which one would consider to be more of a butte. There are a lot of buttes in Boycourt. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of buttes, including Square Butte, Sentinel Butte, Camel's Hump Butte, and West and East Twin Buttes. It reminded me a little bit of what like the Greeks might have been trying to emulate with their amphitheaters. Mm-hmm. Because it felt like the walls were going up, up to the right and left and all around. And then there was sort of the center playing area that was a little raised. Yeah. Um, I think having known that we were headed towards the end of where we could drive on this loop road and knowing that there was a little bit of a longer hike in that in the Colvane Trail, we didn't spend a ton of time here. But I mean, the views, again, were another impeccable stopping spot to kind of enjoy what was along the loop road. And it's a spot we definitely recommend taking the time to just sit 
and enjoy for just a little bit. Doesn't have to be a long time. So we continue on the loop road heading toward Colvane Trail. I think we encounter a few more bison here. Right. You're driving this day. Yes. Mm-mm. No me? It was you. Okay. Yeah, it was you. Okay. We also might have switched yeah. when we would get, get in and out. Yeah. You were driving when we were passing the Prairie Dock Towns because I remember being in the passenger oh, okay. seat for that. So we do continue on and then suddenly... Okay, you thought I would lose it when like I see a, like a new bird that I've never seen before. Mm-hmm. You have not been in a car when Mike Ryan sees wild horses. Right. And describe for us how you I mean, reacted. I was like a child on Christmas. I don't know what it is. It was like being a kid again. It was truly, I don't know what came over me. I don't have a particular affinity for horses in general. Like that's, I'm not like... I've Living never, my horse life. Over I've never here. known you to be a horse girl. Mm-hmm. No, I'm not a horse squirrel. <laughs> a horse squirrel. <laughs> uh, I'm not a horse girl. I'm. That's very Christine. Whatever her name was. I am not a witch. <laughs> <laughs> Christine O'Donnell. Christine O'Donnell. No, thank you. I'm not a witch. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like you. I'm. I'm you. <laughs> Okay, uh, that was like a very niche political reference from like early aughts. It was early aughts that Christine O'Donnell did that. Yeah. She was running for senator in Delaware. Yes. Right? And yeah. she got accused of being a witch. Mm-hmm. She's a Republican candidate, I believe. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. <laughs> and look how far we've come. <laughs> um, anyway, I was elated. It was It was wild because, again, like I said, not a particular affinity for horses. I think they're beautiful, but I do not have photos of horses. I've never put posters on my wall of horses. It was not something that I was into. But something about them being wild, and I think Brad had mentioned that was a possibility that we would see wild horses. I mean, they were down the trail. Like, I saw the horses. I guess I was driving pulled over as quickly as I could parked and I shot out of the car like with my camera in tow and because and with your camera in tow and like your veil flying in the wind (laughs) because you were thrilled right it was like watching you know Stevie Nicks approaching a seance Mm -hmm. you know what I mean like it was that kind of excitement I've never seen you to be that excited about animals I get excited like that about animals but you're always like oh okay like you know it's not something I'm excited about dogs you take dogs excitement to another level though well no i would say you also i do talk to the dogs because because (laughs) precious is a word that's thrown around a lot they they can talk back to me and i can hear them i do call every dog precious Mm -hmm. and then i at some point i will say my sweet angel who can do no wrong exactly Uh uh-huh but um vocabulary i know very well but elated is correct but i was also gonna say you were lit on fire. Yeah. No, I, like, I truly know wow, it. Wow. Okay. I've mm-hmm. not ever seen her react this way. I think this is one of my favorite moments in traveling. I know that's like ridiculous in some ways, but there was just something so beautiful about it. It just caught me so off guard. Like it was a true and utter surprise. Yes. They were a little further down the trail, but I'd say there was probably at least 10 of them. Yeah. 
And like little cults too. Uh, and some the little cults were the little cults is the name of my <laughs> um my YA novel that I read about growing up in the South. The little cults. Uh huh. Um, I love it because that was the name. We've of been my just giving away team. all our all our all, all our million dollar all ideas of all of our copy. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. I remember one was lying down, and then they like got they were up playing around. Were, oh. Yeah, it was great. And the dust was flying up around them, mm-hmm. and it was um, it was cinema. And, and there were multiple colors. Yes. There was, you know, like there was white a, and brown, white black, and black, spotted white and brown. Of yeah. different colors here mm-hmm. with these horses. Yeah. Their manes were like long and wild and like it was everything, uh, you know, I think I could ever dream of in, you know, a moment of true and total unfettered, uncurated surprise. Mm-hmm. This was less of a trail episode. It was more of a kind of loop road driving experiential episode. But we still did hike a little hike called Wind Canyon. And it was less than half a mile. (laughs) But it's still worth putting on the Karen Stone scale. I'm going to give it a one and a half. Okay. Because there was a little incline. Yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say two. Because why not? Um, I do think my body was tired from having done the long hike in the morning. So I think that colored my experience for giving it a two. So with three and a half out of 20 on the Karen Stone scale. That's right. And now let's end this episode like we end all of our episodes with some Jeopardy style trivia. So Dusty, why don't you go ahead and get us started? All right. So my category is called Name That Town. Oh, great. Inspired by prairie dog towns. Oh. And what towns might be like if it were all prairie dogs. Mm. I have described in each one of these clues a different town, and you have to name the animal followed by the word town. Oh, okay, great. That this would be. I, I understand. Okay, for 100. This down under town needs no plastic bags at their grocery store because you can just put it in your pouch. And don't forget to stop by and get some soup at the soup shop called Marsupial. What is that's like a, a good that's like a good place level joke of like all the town the good place signs changing yes. when the they reboot. Um what is a kangaroo town? That is correct. Mm-hmm. Kangaroo town. Okay. For two hundred, this aquatic town is full of giggles and laughs, and everyone just looks real slick. And everyone wants to be your friend, especially for food. And when guests visit the town, the town folk often run along next to them and jump from time to time. What is Toad Town? Frog Town? We were looking for what is Dolphin Town. Oh, Dolphin Town. I was like, who's giggling? (laughs) (laughs) I got it. I got it. (laughs) That's that's like a Chucky doll (laughs) dolphin. (laughs) It is. For 300, this forest town has no streetlights. Instead, it's just garbage cans. And instead of homes, it's dumpsters. And at the town school, they have a class in how to be a scavenger while wearing a black face mask. And the final exam tests you on how to look really cute if you get caught. What is raccoon town? That's right. Mm -hmm. Okay, and for 400, this down under town has gentle music playing in all of its stores. The candle shop only has candles that are scented like eucalyptus. And the local florist's main item is also eucalyptus. And the main dish at every restaurant is, you guessed it, eucalyptus. This also sounds like a good place town that is when they're trying to torture them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What is Koala Town? That is correct. 
Koalatown. Welcome to Koalatown. 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 And for 500 In this underwater town, all of the homes are painted coral, and the families planning for babies have to take paternity leave because the male members of town are the ones who get pregnant and have the babies. What a seahorse town. That's right. <laughs> seahorse town. <laughs> seahorse town. And what is your category, Well, that Mike? was great, first of all, if I can compliment you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <clears throat> my episode is titled, or my, my Jeopardy is titled Zoology. Since we spent so much time enjoying um, so many different species when we were in Theodore Roosevelt National Park, specifically on this day, um, I wanted to do um, a Jeopardy all about famous zoologists. Is it pronounced zoologists or zoologists? Oh, I've always said zoologists. I think it's zoologists. zoo and then pronounced zoologists. Zoologists. I remember my teacher in high school when I took botany and... Zoology. Zoology. She was like, we will not say <laughs> zoology here because that's wrong. She like read All the right. room. Well, thank you for something I learned today. So, zoology. I, I offer you what she said. Great. So for 100, this English scientist is perhaps the best known zoologist. His study of the species of the Galapagos Islands and his research trip aboard the Beagle led to his groundbreaking book, The Origin of Species. Who is Charles Darwin? That's correct. For 200, this Australian crocodile hunter, along with his wife, were the owners and operators of Australia Zoo. Unfortunately, he met his untimely death in 2006 while filming a documentary titled Ocean's Deadliest. Who is Bill Irwin? Not Bill. Who's Steve Corwin? No, you had the last name right. Who's Steve Irwin? <laughs> That's correct. Mm-hmm. Bill Irwin is an actor. Okay. That's great. There is the name. Of that Okay. For 300, a fierce environmental advocate, this anthropologist and naturalist studied chimpanzees for decades in Tanzania. Who is Jane Goodall? That's correct. For 400, a contemporary colleague of Jane Goodall, this zoologist studied gorillas in Rwanda for almost two decades. The movie, Gorillas in the Mist, was an adaptation of her autobiography. Okay, so I know her name because Ellen DeGeneres has a very, like she now has like a research institute in Africa and it's, who is Diane? Is that her first name? Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not Feinstein. No, but it starts with an F. I've got it. Is it Diane Fossey? Yep. Like Bob Fossey. (laughs) Wow. I am like proud of myself for pulling that out. Well, there you go. Of the air. And for 500, this British zoologist is one of the most well-known of the contemporary era. A talented naturalist, he is also well-known for his documentary series called The Life Collection and as the narrator of Planet Earth. Did he also do the famous National Parks documentary? No, that's Ken Burns. Ken Burns. I, what is, I I don't know. Who is David Attenborough? Oh, David Attenborough. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. Yeah. Great. All right.
This has been Gaze at the National Parks, the podcast, and we're here to remind you to hike early and hike often, and that adventure is always out there. Gaze at the National Parks was created and is hosted by us, Dustin Ballard and Michael Ryan. To see images from this episode, follow our Instagram at Gaze at the National Parks. To contact us, email us at Gaze at the National Parks at gmail.com. And to find out more about the parks visited on this show, visit our website, Gaze at the National Parks.com. That's Gaze, G A Z E. All original artwork featured on Instagram, on our website, and in the Gaze Shop is by me, Michael Ryan. All original music was written and performed by Dave Seaman and Mariella Klinger, with Sean Skleos on guitar. Our music producer is Skylar Fortgang. This episode was edited by me, Dustin Ballard. We would also like to acknowledge that while recording this episode, that we are on the traditional and stolen lands of the Lenape people, also known as Middlesex County, New Jersey. Music